0: you're listening to the archaeology podcast network you are now entering the pseudo archaeology podcast a show that uncovers what's fact what's fake and what's fun in the crazy world of pseudo archaeology Hello and welcome to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 120. I am your host, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, and tonight we explore the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum in San Jose, California. Okay, so, you know, before we get into the Rosicrucian Museum, I got to say, I was looking at my uh, YouTube channel the other day and I'm still getting some negative comments about my Graham Hancock situation (laughs) like six months later. Not too many, you know, one or two a week or something. And you know what's so funny? Is there like the same complaints about how If I make fun of Graham Hancock, it just it ruins my standing as a real archaeologist because I have a sense of humor. And I got to say, you guys, I get that comment every week. And I just wonder for people who comment on YouTube or comment anywhere, you know, Twitter or whatever it is, it's like, dude, do you check the other comments before you comment? Because I do that all the time. And actually, I got to say, I don't even comment very much at all. Almost never. And I will also say I always comment only positive stuff. But I always check. I'm always like super worried about doing like a second comment, you know, or, or like making a joke that's already been made. I don't want to do that. I want to be original. But these guys, man, they're not checking the comments. Check the comments before you comment yourself. I'm just saying I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, because of these angry online people, I thought I would do something this week that was, you know, chill, that people just can get along and talk about in a relaxed manner. Let's do religion. And we're going to look at a religion that says it's not a religion, which is kind of true. it's kind of not true. We're talking about Rosicrucianism, but before we talk about the religion itself, what this podcast is really about is my personal experience with the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum, right? This is in San Jose and this is in the South Bay in California, right? Not too terribly far away from San Francisco, as I've probably touched on once or twice hither and thither I grew up in the East Bay in a town called San Leandro. It's right below Oakland. And for students in the East Bay area in the sixth grade, there was always a trip to the Rosicrucian Egyptian museum, right? It was just chiseled in stone. I believe the Pharaohs chiseled in stone. Thou shalt go to the Rosicrucian Egyptian museum to see our stuff. And I think that a lot of us throughout America really we have these kind of things these the thing that everyone does in 6th grade or 8th grade or 4th grade whatever in your hometown there's like a museum you go to or a trip that everyone goes on right it's this thing then it's almost like this rite of passage too you know oh yeah the 7th graders they already did this they said it was awesome whatever it may be right so for me This takes place in probably late 1983. I don't know. I'm 11 years old. I'm in the sixth grade and I'm looking forward to this. Right. And I do think as I get into this, this might actually be my very oldest story of all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was the one on the mystery spot that I did like, I don't know, eight months ago or a year ago at this point. And I think I was like maybe 13 or 14 at that point. So this is really old. This is this is what we're we're looking. My friends, we are looking at this year, the 40th anniversary of my trip to the Resurrection Egyptian Museum. Now, as I talked about in the Mystery Spot podcast, me and my friends are exactly like. The cast of Stranger Things, the kids in Stranger Things, right? That show just showcases my generation and what we were doing in middle America when we were like 12. You know, so just picture those kids, those kids and their fellow students. Right. So how this unrolls is uh, I'm in the sixth grade and we're getting ready for the trip. And this is like a big trip. It's a bus trip, right? And it's probably going to take like an hour from San Leandro to San Jose. And that's like a big bus trip when you're like 11. You know, you're like, yeah, you're looking for, You're just looking forward to like getting out of there. You know what I mean? Just like, you're like man, your hometown's boring and you just want to like do something cool. You know, I was always into seeing like the science centers uh, locally. We were really lucky in terms of that like Berkeley wasn't that far away. Berkeley's only like I don't know 20 minutes from my house or something like that. Going to or in San Francisco, San Francisco was also kind of a it wasn't a place you go to every day. People who are not from the bay area, you think we go to San Francisco all the time. We don't. If you're from the East Bay, but the Exploratorium was there in San Francisco? I remember going to UC Berkeley to like the Lawrence Hall of Science, any locals in that world. Basically, these are all like sciencey, cool, hands on museum places, right? So, this one, the Rosicrucian Museum, I'm like, dude, this place has mummies, you know? And I'm so looking forward to that because that just seems so romantic. You know, I'm like, yeah, there's gonna be artifacts. Mummies, this is like real, you know? These are real Egyptian mummies from Egypt. This is a cool, cool thing. And I, I will say at that time, I didn't think I was gonna be an archaeologist that time or any of that kind of stuff. I was just into this stuff. Seems cool. So we get on the bus, it's a long bus trip, and I noticed even on the bus trip over that the class, the sixth grade class, was Really showing their best behavior. The teacher that year, Mrs. Jones, she was just the coolest, man. She was one of my favorite teachers of all time. And she really had a handle on us. She told us it was serious. And we took her seriously. We're like, we're going to be cool on this trip. So everyone was cool on the bus ride over. We get there. I got to say the grounds of the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum. Really, really nice. I'm going to. Post a link or two about the Rosicrucian Museum. And you, it's an easy Google too. Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum. Their grounds, just walking around there, you know, as in terms of as a place to just sit and eat lunch, really, really nice. It's got that vibe of like sprawling gardens, you know, that kind of thing. And the building itself is like this retro Egyptian-looking building. So we go in. Super excited. Come on. Ooh, it looks like an Egyptian temple. You know, you go in there. And once I entered. That's when things started to go poorly. The people who ran it just seemed like they didn't like us. You know, like this is from the guards at the doorway to the docents, whatever. They just all looked at us like. You know, we're holding our noses while you're here, but we just really don't like it that you're here. Like there was that that like tension, you know. In the air where it was like, "Ah, kids are here again, right? And we were being so cool, man. We were quiet. I remember that if you guys think back to when you were kids. You know when your class was being cool or when they were being totally rowdy and out of control. You know, you know, as a kid, you know for sure. And I knew I was like, why these people hate us so bad? We are being totally cool. They, you can't get a more chill sixth grade class than this sixth grade class right here. So we start looking at like the artifacts and stuff. And it's the artifacts are neat. And there's even like this kind of fake mock-up of an Egyptian tomb and you kind of go in. So it has that like coming into the tomb vibe. And there were, at least at the time, a handful of mummies, you know, that you could see, I believe there was maybe one or two that were unwrapped and there were, there were sarcophagi and there were mummified animals and this kind of thing. So it was the artifacts themselves were very cool, but the vibe I gotta say you guys it was creepy as hell now in a world like that there's good creepy and bad creepy good creepy is like the mummies you know you're like whoa that's a real mummy you know that's that can have its own creepy factor but it but that creepiness can transform into like wow that's so old and you know oh man that's from half a world away isn't that interesting bad creepy is like These people are disingenuous and they don't like us, you know? And again, I I have nothing against, you know, the this belief system in general. I'm just reporting the news of what these people were like. I remember some of the kids just asking about the religion in general, like Rosicrucianism in general. And they gave us that. How dare you ask that? Look like, oh, so Unwashed and dirty. I can't believe you would ask that. You know, t- totally fair questions from sixth graders. And they held on to this secrecy vibe. I always hate that wherever I'm in the world. I mean, don't you? You know, when it's like, well, we can tell you this much, but we can't tell you everything because it's secret. And I remember there was some area that was blocked off. It's like, oh, yes, this is just for the in crowd. I'm like, what? So, We just cruise along. Oh, and I remember they were wearing like weird stuff, too. Like, I believe that the like the guards and the docents and stuff, I believe they were really well dressed, like too well dressed. You know where you're like, dude, lose the suit. But then they also had like a fez on. You guys know those hats, like those like skinny hats. If you guys are a fan of Doctor Who, the Matt Smith Doctor Who would wear a fez sometimes. Just those. They look like an upside down ice bucket. I think they were wearing those again. This is I'm literally thinking 40 years ago, you know? So so you picture these guys unsmiling, shiny suit, fez on acting like they don't like you. You shouldn't be here and they have secrets they're not going to tell you. Just what a mix for a great party. So we went through, saw the artifacts. That's cool. Got back on the bus, got all the way back to school. And I remember the next day I went up to my teacher. I went up to Mrs. Jones and she was so cool with us. And I asked her just just by myself. You know, we had like a moment alone. I'm like, Mrs. Jones, you know, they really seem to not like us. Like, that seemed weird. Was was that our fault? And she in a very flat, like teacher voice was like, no, Andrew, it wasn't your fault. And that made me feel so good because I'm like the grown up agreed. The grown up thought it was weird, too. So I hadn't thought of that in a really long time. But again, as you guys know, I look around online, whatever, every so often for for stuff to talk about on this show. And I saw something about the Rosicrucians in Egypt. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to dive into this because I remember my crappy story about having to deal with these guys like 40 years ago, leaving really disappointed as an 11-year-old kid who really wanted to learn about Egypt. So I looked a little bit into the belief system itself. And when we come back, what is Rosicrucianism anyway?
1: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash
0: aware. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 120. I'm your host, Andrew Kinkella. And... We've been talking about the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum in San Jose, California, and I thought I would take a minute and talk about what Rosicrucianism is itself. And I I looked into this some and and I will say that I'm obviously not a specialist in this world, so pardon me if I get this a bit wrong, but I th- I think I got the basics kind of sort of mostly okay. Again, I I'm providing a link down below to the Skeptoid podcast, and I thought those guys did a really great job of kind of giving a quick rundown of what is Rosicrucianism. You, again, you can also just Google on Wikipedia Rosicrucianism, and it can it'll take you through it as well. But you know, it's kind of hard to explain because if you're part of a society that holds certain parts secret, well, then it's secret, and then nobody knows. And so you can't really explain it to anybody else. <laughs> oh, God. But let's try. All right. What's What's the deal with this? So historically, I'll try and give you like kind of a fact-based approach to this. And then we'll talk about what they say about themselves, which kind of delves into the world of fantasy. So fact-based, it seems to me like this A belief system started in the 1600s. The first kind of kernels of it were from the 1600s in Europe. This sort of idea of this mm, secret philosophical society, you know, who would get together and explore the mysteries of the universe. Really, that's kind of what it is. You'll you'll see terms come up a lot in Rosicrucianism, like mystics Mystery schools, alchemy comes up a lot and the like, right? That makes sense. It's very new aging in its overall vibe. The si- The 1600s is when you first see like little tendrils of this, you know, this beginnings of this sort of you could call it a philosophical movement or a religious movement. I mean, let's you know, let's face it, it really is sort of a, a religious order that has this secret aspect to it, right? It's the idea of we have this specialized knowledge on how the universe works, but we can only tell you if you're not only if you're a member, but if you go way up in the member system, they have all these levels of like being an initiate. And there's all these different levels that you can look up on your own time. But to give you the feel of it, that's how it goes. And as you go higher up in this secret group, You get more of this ancient wisdom, right? That's the setup. And I know I I bet when I tell you guys that you're like, dude, Andrew, that sounds a lot like Scientology. It it does have similarities to Scientology, but I would say that Rosicrucianism is much more chill than Scientology, if that makes sense. Scientology is kind of, you know, it's kind of it's a little more harsh and it's a little more like regimented. If that makes sense, you know, that there's no like L. Ron Hubbard in Rosicrucianism. Not really. There's there's certain names that come up, but it's much more relaxed and open. It's weird. It's this combo of relaxed and open, but secretive at the same time. But the the idea overall, if you join this, it's like you get to be a part of this special group. And then if you get way, way in, you get special knowledge. There you go. About the mysteries of the world and the universe, right? The big ideas, like how does everything work? So after the 1600s, I, I think Rosicrucianism kind of flounders for a while. It just kind of cruises along with maybe a handful of people, you know, doing it, but I don't see it making too much huge impact. But then it's kind of re-upped in the early 1900s, right? That That's when you kind of see it come come up again for this sort of second flush this is when they're going to start to kind of harken back and create a history that goes way beyond the reality of their real history. Now they could talk about, oh, in the 1600s this starts and that's hey, that's like 400 years, but they start to trace it back to ancient Egypt. See, that's the connection. I, I always wondered on like why the Egyptian part of the Rosicrucian museum? How does that go together? They would say that the ancient Egyptians themselves we're believers like, like uh, certain pharaohs, like Akhenaten. Akhenaten's a big one for them. Akhenaten is the heretic pharaoh, right, of the new kingdom. He's the one who tried monotheism for a while and all that good stuff. According to them, well, Akhenaten was secretly a Rosicrucian. And that's what made him do what he does. He was part of this, you know, mysterious group. Of course he wasn't. You know what I mean? I. I that's when... Groups like this lose me a little bit of new agey stuff on the side. I feel like never hurts anyone. Hey, you can want to explore the universe in your own time. That's cool. Whatever, man. I mean, hey, listen to me. I'm from California. What can I say? But once you start pulling in actual history, that's not true. That that pisses me off. I'm like, no, because that makes short shrift of Akhenaten. Akhenaten is way cooler than Rosicrucianism. Sorry. Right. And then they pull in all these other historical figures. They go through the Greeks and they go, Oh, yeah, well, this guy and this guy, they were all Rosicrucians. No, they weren't. You know, and dude, you're just you're losing me with this. Very Da Vinci Codish, the Rosicrucianism thing. You start seeing quotes like, Contrary to modern academics, ooh, don't be telling me that, dude. Right. And secret wisdom always comes up. I'm like, if this wisdom is so great. Really? You would keep it secret? Really? No, you wouldn't. No, it wouldn't stay secret. No, it wouldn't. So that 11-year-old in me smelled the scam. You know, I'm proud of my 11-year-old self. Good job, 11-year-old Andrew. Smelling their scam early on. Good for you. Oh, one other thing they would do is they talk about the Egyptian pyramids themselves as places of study. Where Rosicrucians of a thousand BC would would go to study. It's like, no, that's not what those pyramids are. Those pyramids are burial chambers for pharaohs. Okay, that's what they are. Like, don't be telling me that gets almost into Joseph's granaries type of crap, where it's like, dude, that's just not true. Stop it, stop it, stop it. You know? Again, stay with your general, like, we teach people how to live life, whatever. It's all right, we we unlock the mysteries of the universe, whatever. Don't try and bring real history in here. So with that, in that resurgence in the early 1900s, now it all kind of makes sense. Okay. We're resurging this. We're kind of bringing this thing back on. We're trying to get our cast of characters in, which isn't really our cast of characters, all these sort of famous Western culture people. And we're going to start this collection in San Jose. People like, why is it in San Jose? Land was cheap then, right? That makes sense. So you're going to, expand out it's just the same reason why disneyland's in anaheim right southern california cheap land in northern california in the bay area you got cheap land in san jose so that's where they did it oh another thing that you see all the time with the rosicrucians and you know the the term rosicrucian it means like i think it's see the rosy cross or red cross oh my god i should (laughs) but that's their symbol right this rose cross and then you see the the term a m o r c and i would see that i'd be like Amor, what is that and it stands for ancient mystical order of the rose crucis right so there you go so when you, you'll if you look up rosicrucianism at all you'll see that Amor thing a bunch of times you would be like what is this that's what that stands for it's like they're you know i could say their slogan or something like this so you're in your ancient mystical order it's the early 1900s and you're learn it about alchemy. And, you know, you could also do telepathy, telekinesis, regeneration, and really focus on your oneness with the cosmic consciousness. Now, again, this is where, please, 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 people who believe stuff, don't argue to me about something like alchemy. Is there such thing as alchemy? No. No. Now, in terms of modern science, could you turn and alchemy is the idea? Of, I mean, you can think of it in a conscious way of sort of turning on your consciousness to a higher level. OK, that's whatever that you can do that on your own time. But alchemy in terms of changing one form of matter to another, like changing fill in the blank kind of metal into gold. Yes, modern science can do it, but it costs way, 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 way more money than just going and get some gold, you know, but. Of course, the ancient idea of alchemy was to take something that was worthless and to change it into something, you know, worthwhile or fantastical. And of course, that's just complete and utter crap. So don't don't be talking to me about alchemy. Don't be talking to me about telepathy or telekinesis or any of that crap. Right. That's where I get off the bus. You know, that's where I have to be like a sciencey person. And I can't just keep smiling along. When we return. What's the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum like today? Waiting on a tax return?
1: Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our US-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save twenty-five percent off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at lifeLock.com/slash-aware. Terms apply.
0: Welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode one hundred and twenty. I'm your host Andrew Kinkella, and we have been talking about the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum in San Jose, California, and my reaction to it, having visited there as an 11 year old in 1983. On that last segment, we talked a bit about what is Rosicrucianism. And I would say thinking back to those five minutes ago when I did that, you know, it's not that great. It's still I it, it bumps me out because it's really hard to explain because it's so sort of broad. It's just this group of people, you can think of it, too, as like the Freemasons. You know, it's its like you pull in some from the Freemasons, you pull in a little uh, Scientology and you can kind of get a feeling for it. This group that sort of works on esoteric mysticism in a vaguely secretive manner. But it seems to me whenever they unveil any of their secrets, they're really, really a bit of a bummer. Like alchemy. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? But what's the deal with the Rosicrucian Museum today? Now, they do build themselves as having the largest exhibit of Egyptian artifacts in Western North America. That's pretty good. I'm sure what that means is they have the most amount of Egyptian ar- artifacts barring one or two of the museums on the East Coast, you know what I mean? Someplace in New York or something like that. And the reason it's there at all, we did talk before about the cheapness of the land, but there was this guy named H. Spencer Lewis that in, I believe in the nineteen teens he he got the Rosicrucian order together right, and then in nineteen twenty seven I believe he started the Rosicrucian Museum, and it really started with a single one of his own artifacts. Because at the time they would just buy artifacts from Egypt and then and then bring them back right, because they felt like they had this spiritual tie to ancient Egyptian artifacts, which of course they don't. They can feel like they do, but they don't so he started the museum like that and then the museum grew as the years went by i'm sure it was helped a ton by the egyptomania of like the 1920s right cuz king tut is going to be found in 1922 and that's going to be a worldwide phenomenon so this idea that you have an egyptian museum like people are going to be into that oh yeah let's check it out oh yeah i heard about king tut let's see some some more of that right and so i Checked out the uh, website of the museum today, and I was really looking for photos and stuff to try and make me remember my own experience, my own dark and depressing experience. And I only remember bits and pieces. I have to say, based on my crappy experience, I only really remember the outside going like, yeah, this place is really pretty. And I remember walking into this sort of the fake tomb that they have. And I don't mind it. Of course, it has to be fake. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just I thought that was cool. Maybe again, maybe some of the mummies. But I don't what I mainly remember is really the scowls of all the people working there. I remember that way more than any one artifact. Anyway, as the time goes by, they do improve their museum over time. Now, when I last visited in the 80s, I also felt like, God, it was so long ago. I can almost be wrong on this, but like the lighting And the overall presentation of some of the artifacts was pretty damn cheesy. Like they were going for the yes, this is ancient Egyptian. But check out its Rosicrucian connection, you know, which is just really in poor taste. But they would do that. And even in my 11 year old brain, I was like, this is lame. This is weird. But based on what I see on their website, I think they've cleaned up their act. I think it's pretty cool in terms of like. Do I think that sixth graders should still go to the Rosicrucian Museum? Yes, totally. And I bet that they would have a much better tour than I did, you know, in in the eighties. Because I think they've made it more broad, made it more based on Egypt itself. And I will say, on their website, they have a kick-ass website. Actually, they have the like this interactive map. They have the time periods listed that you can click on, and they have a really good. List of like the various Egyptian gods, and you can kind of click on them and it talks about what they do. So, in terms of like an encapsulated basic history of Egypt, like if you're curious, you know, you're like, hey man, I want to know more about the Middle Kingdom. It's a really great resource. Like, I teach an Egyptology class, and looking at it, I was like, you know, I might add this link to the Egyptology class just for some of the you know, it, basic stuff for them to cruise around. Now we talk about, of course, much more than that, but sometimes it's great to have a website like that where you, it just has it. And it's very digestible and easy to deal with. And if you just have like a quick question, oh, the oh pre-dynastic, what's up with that? And you can just kind of click on it and get kind of your, you know, your basic facts out of the way. So, hey man, give credit where they Where it's deserved. Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum, your website's pretty damn good, my friends. Good for you. So they have gotten better with that. Although there still are areas. They have that off limits thing and they have signs where it's like no admittance. And it basically says, you know. No admittance. This is our secret cave. You don't get to come in here. It just it still has that feeling of like, you're not one of us. You know, there's a part of that. And I got to say, you know, religions that do that, you're not you're not going to get the biggest number of people ever. You know, it's it's off putting, man. Maybe just don't even put that sign there and just make it so people can't go in. You know, if it's the secret door, just label it like janitor closet. You know, nobody will know. I will say at the same time, even though they still have their foolish secrecy, they are always open for like members. You know, I think you can pay them a certain amount of money per month and then you can become a Rosicrucian and you can take their classes and all that. And when you see interviews by Rosicrucians, they always seem pretty chill and pretty open. You know, they that that's good but overall you know i leave with two things first you didn't fool an 11 year old and second don't be jerks to 11 year olds because they grow up and make podcasts and with that i'll see you guys next time Thanks for listening to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland,